Hear now a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taking, taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priest and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Let us take a moment to center ourselves and pray. God, you are the true word. May you enlighten and enliven the words of your scripture that we can get a glimpse of who you are and who you are calling us and leading us to become. And may the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you. Amen. How many of y'all think you have automatic reactions to some things? Saw a few hands go up. So in those maybe reactions you're probably proud about, like I bet James had a great reaction last night when the Cubs came back in the eighth, and I'm sorry, the Nats came back in the eighth and beat the Cubs. I know, sorry. Um, but probably some kind of awesome reaction when that happened for those of y'all who are Nats fans. Or, but what about a reaction like if a bug lands on you? I know for me, I don't want to get stung by a bee, so I freeze, whereas my sister panics and runs around and screams and flaps her arms. Or what about the reaction probably many of us have when we stomp our toe? The real reaction we have and the things we say that we probably wouldn't want to say in a church building, but I can tell you I work here you know, most days during the week, and I've said some things in a church building I'd rather not as a reaction to that. 
Most of us have. We react to things. It's part of our nature. But it shows us something about ourselves, right? When all of a sudden we don't have that moment to pause or we don't make a moment to pause, it reveals something about who we are or what, what we're displaying to the world when we react in those ways. When I think about, when I think about parables, I'm often not thinking about how does this match up exactly? They're not necessarily all allegories where this character exactly equals God or this character exactly equals us, but rather parables are kind of about a reaction. So I tell my youth this often when we talk about parables. Parable and parabola from calculus come from the same word. So if you think about parabola, it's a big arc, right? And so in a sense, a parable is kind of like Jesus is throwing a story out to us and seeing how we react. So the same way if Will were to take the car keys and throw them at me and say, Meg, think fast, and I have to react, and it may mean to move over here to catch them, or it may mean to drop something to try and catch them, or just let them hit me, because I'm always not very coordinated sometimes. Um, I have to react to it. It's being thrown at me for me to catch it or respond to it. So in the same way, when we're hearing a parable from Jesus, it's thrown out there, and we need to pay attention to how are we reacting to the story, but also how are the people he's speaking to in the text reacting to that parable. So I want us to take a look at the parable that Katie read for us today and think about the same thing. If Jesus had just tossed this up there, how did they react? Now this is a tactic, too, that's used in other places in Scripture. One of the most um, thought-of ones is probably when King David has um, killed Uriah after he has taken Bathsheba for his wife. I see some head nods. We talked about this in Sunday, group Sunday school this summer. And the prophet Nathan comes to David and tells him a story, right? Well, he doesn't tell him a story about what David did. Instead, he tells them this story about a sheep owner who had, who, a poor sheep owner who had one little ewe that he loved and cared for dearly. And then a wealthy landowner who had lots of livestock, but when it came time to have a celebration, he took the one ewe from the poor sheep owner and killed it for the celebration. Well, David reacts drastically to that story, right? He says, that man should be killed. Like, you know, he is so upset about it. And Nathan says, that man is you, so the reaction was the teaching of that story, of that parable in that case. And in the same way, so many times the parables that Jesus are teaching, our lesson and our learning is in the reaction. So let's think about it. Jesus asked them, Now then, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And they answer him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death. I almost want to ask, well, have you been listening to the parable? But at the same time, I would probably say the same thing. 
If we look at our culture, our literature, even sometimes our sporting events, if somebody does something wrong or there is violence, how do we react? Usually with more violence or with seeking out punishment for that person. So surely, if the tenants have killed his son, surely he would kill them. But let's stick this reaction on a shelf for just a minute and go back and see what does the text actually show us about the character of the landowner and what the reaction, what reaction he gives. So the landowner sends the slaves, right, to collect the harvest when it's harvest time. And when they arrive, the tenants assault them, stone them, kill them. And so what does the landowner do? If Jesus were to ask me at that point, I would probably say, oh, I know, he kills them. The landowner sends, sends people to kill them because they killed his slaves. But that's not what the parable says. The parable says that the landowner then sent additional slaves. And what happens when they arrive at the vineyard? They're assaulted, they're stoned, they're killed. If Jesus paused and asked me again there, well, what is the landowner going to do? Probably my reaction would be, oh, he's going to kill them. He's going to punish them for what they did. But what does the landowner do? He sends his son. And it doesn't say he sends his son with an army or with a guard or, or with weapons to go and defend the landowner's title. But instead it says he sends his son. And what happens? The tenants kill even his son. And then Jesus asked, asked them and asked us, what now will the landowner do? And our reaction, even though we've seen that this landowner has been all about vulnerability, not retribution or repeating a cycle of violence, our reaction is still to say, oh, he will punish him. He will kill them. It's instead of practicing and participating in the cycle of violence. That's our reaction. That's the religious leader's reaction. But it's instead of that, that in the parable, the landowner offers authentic vulnerability. Kenneth Bailey is an author who has a series um, of different books relating It'll say Paul through the eyes of the Middle East or Jesus through the eyes of the Middle East. So he's relating the biblical passages to a Middle Eastern worldview and assist us in stripping back some of our Western viewpoints or worldviews to be able to look at the passages through those eyes. In his book, Jesus Through the Eyes of the Middle East, he offers a few more modern anecdotes as well to get us thinking on some of those ways. He shares a story about King Hussein of Jordan from the 80s, and um, I might call this a legend as we're not sure how much of this is true or not, but it's something that teaches us a bit about vulnerability. 
So he gets word, King Hussein does, that there are several military leaders under him who are planning a coup to overthrow the monarchy. And he finds out that they are meeting in a barrack that is not too far from where he is. And so he commands his, his guard to take the helicopter and they land on top of that barrack. And he tells them, you stay here. If you hear shots, get away to safety. And he goes down unarmed and meets with the military leaders who are wanting to stage this coup. And he says to them, I understand that you are wanting to change the leadership in the country, that there are some things that you don't agree with, and so you are planning this coup. And rather than us starting this battle and people taking sides and many, many losing their lives with a civil war in our country, if this is what you truly want, then kill me right now, I'm unarmed, and take over the government. And the legend or story goes that they fell at his feet and they kissed his feet because of his vulnerability. And instead they came to certain agreements and there was not a coup at that time. So it's this idea of entering into a place where you're not guaranteed anything and being completely vulnerable to go into a place where you know that they may kill you, they may hate you, whatnot, but to be vulnerable. And that throws off the reactive cycle. Our God is a God who believes in love and in vulnerability as shown through Christ. God is with us coming to earth. But it's only through vulnerability that the pattern of violence is upset. Violence will only turn into more violence. If you notice in the parable, Jesus never says that the tenants will be killed. Instead, after, after the religious, religious leaders answer him and say that they will be put to a miserable death, Jesus says to them, have you never read in the scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. But what's missing there that we often try and insert in Jesus never says the tenants will be put to death. The wrath comes from their reaction. Instead, the justice that Jesus is talking about is a restorative justice. To me, it brings back, the, back to mind the idea of jubilee. The idea that Within every 50 years, the land is returned and redistributed to the families, that debts are wiped away. There had been a problem, there was a cycle of violence, and Christ doesn't say that they are killed, but instead, instead the land is redistributed to those that will produce the fruits of the kingdom. It's taken away from the people who are 
standing there, in a sense, rejecting Christ, rejecting the cornerstone by rejecting the teaching of authentic grace and vulnerability that Jesus is putting before them in this parable. This parable is part of of a collection of three parables that answer the question, by what authority do you do this? I know for us in the church year, we are a long time from Holy Week, but this passage in the book of Matthew is during Holy Week. Jesus has made his triumphant entry. He has healed people. He has cast people out of the synagogue, and they have said, by what authority do you do this? And he answers them by explaining that the authority of God is not one of coercive power or of violence or retaliation or retribution, but the power of God is vulnerable love and grace and presence. God with us, Emmanuel, is the power that Christ does these things through. I think there's hope in that context for us. The prayers today have illustrated so beautifully the cycles of violence that are going on in our world. And I have to be honest, there are times when I want to retaliate with violence, and I have to confess of that to God, and I have to pray and ask for strength to pray for my enemies. And knowing that praying for my enemies is not continuing a cycle of violence, but it's asking for me to be vulnerable to God and for me to be vulnerable with others. I love that word vulnerability because I love the author and speaker, Dr. Brene Brown from the University of Houston. She does a lot of work with shame and vulnerability. And... What has led her to focus her life's work on shame and vulnerability was actually seeking out how, what is, what is something that is qualitatively similar within many people who are happy and fulfilled in life? And her research has found that it is the ability to be courageous in the original sense of the word, Cur is heart, so as to bear your entire heart without promise that someone will accept you, without assurance that your heart will not be stabbed or that you will not be hurt in the process, but to live wholly from who you are, vulnerable to the people around you. And the thing is, is we can only do that with the promise of God and the promise of Christ. God calling each of us worthy and beloved so that we can be vulnerable with God. We can come from a place of authenticity. We can stop reacting out of a place of feeling like we don't have enough or we aren't enough, but instead reacting out of love and being the people that God has called us all to be. And so this morning, I am thankful for this parable. I'm thankful for the reaction 
that I've had to it. I'm thankful for the reaction found in the scripture that points out that I need help from Christ. I need help from God to be vulnerable and not to react with more violence or react with punishment, but instead to react seeking the restorative justice of God. Thanks be to God.